You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, Lacrosse is at it again with a new line of lace-up hunting boots, the Navigator Series. And in that Navigator Series, there are two models. There's the Atlas for men and the Windrose for both men and women. To find out more information about this new Navigator Series, visit lacrossefootwear.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast, the number one source for hunting and fishing information, strategy and tactics, as well as conversations surrounding conservation efforts and other outdoor activities in the great state of Iowa. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and this episode of the Iowa Sportsman Podcast starts right now. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast. Man, today we have an awesome episode. We're going to be talking with Noel Gandy, and uh, we're going to talk about summer deer patterns. We talk about scouting. We talk about glassing. We talk about if you should really get excited this time of year, uh, if you get a deer on trail camera or you get a big buck, you spend you spot them from the the truck what does that mean come the fall so we have this huge discussion about summer patterning summer scouting what you're what you should be looking for and overall if what's happening right now plays an impact on the fall so it's a really good episode lots of cool information uh, a little bs uh, in there as well and not only does noel share his his thoughts and ideas but i share mine as well so you know we're going to keep the intro short today, aside from our commercial that we always do, BondurantCustomFurniture.com. Obviously, it's located in Bondurant, Iowa. Go to their uh, go to their website. I think I just said it, BondurantCustomFurniture.com, and check out all the awesome pieces of customized furniture that these guys make. I'm telling you, um, they make some awesome tables and chairs they take old whiskey barrels and turn them into furniture and other pieces of art like uh i was flipping through their website gallery and they have this really cool light fixture that hangs from a ceiling so uh if you have an idea that you want to run by them reach out to them let them know that hey i I have this idea for a custom piece of furniture because they do more than just you know redo old whiskey barrels they also do a lot of closets and ottomans and uh, uh, just a lot of awesome craftsmanship that goes into every one of their pieces so go check it out again bondurantcustomfurniture.com i think that's it man be sure to uh, visit iowasportsman.com and uh, let's just get into today's podcast all right, joining us again, Mr. Noel Gandy. How you doing, man? Hey, Dan. Man, it's August the 7th, and I'm about to talk about deer hunting and the best state in the country, so I'm doing pretty good right now. That's right. That's a fact, man. Uh, now, we had a little bit of conversation uh, before we started recording, and I always feel like that's when some really good conversations happen, but... We, we both expressed that we are starting to really get fired up for this upcoming season. That would be the understatement of the year, <laughs> I think. Uh, I, I started trail cameras uh, at the end of June. <laughs> so I've been, I've been fired up for about a month now. And, uh, man, I, it can't get here soon enough. It's my, it's my absolute favorite thing to do in the world is to deer hunt. Oh, so. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah can't get here soon enough. That's right. So you, we're going to be talking a little bit about summer patterning tips and tricks and, and locating deer during the summer months in hopes that we kill them in November uh, or, you know, during the actual archery season or gun season two, whatever. But, um, I want to ask you right now, you are, you already mentioned getting your trail cameras out. Does what you get on trail camera, like change the level of excitement going into a season or is it always kind of right up there at on high? Oh, trail cameras. Then when trail cameras kind of came on my radar, gosh, I guess it's been, it might've even been 15 years ago. Now we were taking the film to Walmart, you know, to see what was, <laughs> to see what was on them. Yeah. And, uh, and then Walmart hated us because we would keep two pictures and they would let you throw the other 30 away or however many, if you didn't want them, you didn't have to buy them. Yep. But now that digital and, and even cellular trail cameras are such a, such a thing now, it is just amped up excitement to a whole, to a whole new level. Granted, this time of year, you have to really guard yourself against being too excited. You know, when you see a bachelor group that has three shooter bucks in it, you have to kind of pump your brakes a little bit and realize that come October, they're probably not going to be buddies anymore. When that velvet comes off, they're probably not going to be friends anymore. So it's a good way to to really, I don't know, it's, it's a good way to reignite excitement from a long hot summer you know wet summer you've not been able to do a whole lot deer wise most likely so it's good for me it kind of i even put in the article recently i think in the august issue that july 4th is kind of my my kickoff every year i look forward to july 4th because that means i am starting that year's deer season and uh you know for for lack of a better way to put it some folks are they never end and uh, we really don't but Anywho, I'm fired up, man. Yeah, yeah it, trail cameras fire me up. Yeah, that's and that's one thing I've had to teach myself how to just because if I could, I'd be I'd be fired up all year around. But you know, I got three kids, I got a wife, right. I got you know, I can't spend all day every day thinking about. I mean, I think about it, but not doing deer hunting related activities, right? It's just impossible. So, you know, when I do get the opportunity to check a trail camera or two, man, for some reason, checking a trail camera this time of year, it, I would almost compare it to the excitement I get going in to actually hunt a really good spot for the first time, right? There's something about not knowing what's on trail camera that excites me. Oh man, I got a new farm this year that I've been begging the farmer. This will be my fourth season to hunt Iowa. And this is my fourth season to basically go on bended knee with a tear in my eye, begging him to let me hunt this place. <laughs> and uh, he finally said, dude, go for it. If you're going to do all that, just go for it. And so I've been so anxious to get in there. Just the unknown is incredible. This Just not knowing what what could be right and so that yeah that man that excitement level is is through the roof i I always said dan that i think uh i think that the good lord allow deer's antler uh deer antlers to shed every year so that 
maybe I would quit obsessing for a couple of months anyway, that I could actually <laughs> re meet my kids and my wife and uh, like actually work a little bit. <laughs> because I don't worry quite as much about it when they don't have antlers, which granted we shed hunt and then we right, do right. food plots and everything else. So I don't know if it helps. It helps a little, maybe not much, but a little. Right. So let me ask you this. Uh, it's, I mean, it's summertime. What, I know this is a really high level question, but the article that you wrote is about summer patterning tips and tricks what kind of work are you doing this time of year to get prepared for the upcoming season, whether that's, you know, putting tree stands up, scouting. And the reason I asked that first is because you just got access to a new farm. So I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what your plant, your strategy, your preseason strategy is for that particular farm. Great. So uh, let me, let me just, speak to patterning just very briefly before I jump into the, to my strategy and which it hopefully, you know, we'll see this year if it works or not. But, uh, and I think I, I think I made a caveat in that article that kind of stated, I don't know how much you can really pattern a deer to hunt during this time, unless you plan on killing him the first week of October. Yeah. And that's still iffy. That's to me, that's still weather dependent. Uh, if you can even do that, because these these deer do bust up so much, uh, as not bust up like antlers, but they, their bachelor groups break up. They're, when those beans change colors, you know, it's, it's really weather dependent. When the beans change colors, they start dispersing to different food sources. And so at this point, as far as scouting-wise, I'm getting an inventory maybe of what is in the just the area. Uh, so for like a gun hunter patterning is useless right now because it's going to all change for archery hunters. You really plan on digging in there pretty early or, or maybe even for youth. Like my son killed his first deer last year and uh, he was, I knew exactly which step he was going to take every evening. I mean, he was a young buck, but he was still highly predictable. So it worked out perfectly for a, for a youth. But so patterning, we, we need to be careful talking about that. But as far as scouting and getting prepared, yeah, so I got this brand-new farm uh, at the end of June, and I had two sets hung by mid-July, where I feel like looking at aerial stuff, and, and I live nearby it, so I, I kind of have an idea where deer like to go in and out because, you know, I'm stalking it four years <laughs> right uh I'm, I've, been, I've been creeping that place for a while but i just couldn't go into it so uh i had kind of a general idea and there's some really really natural kind of uh openings in the timber that seem like that might be where deer want to go there's a lot of there's a lot of uh deer poop uh i hate to you know be so blunt but it, there is there's, there's lots of beds lots of uh of scat in that area and uh, so I feel like, you know, that's where the deer are bedding and uh, try to back away from there. Also, on this new farm, I found two uh, deer stands hung in there and they looked like they were old. They looked like a couple of them had different color ratchet straps that looked like they were different ages, maybe some from just years ago. And so that kind of tells me somebody's been hunting there and if they, you know, had it 
in there for over a year or over one year. They probably had some success, possibly. So I can kind of key in on that area as well. Lastly, just uh, right now in Iowa, you can feed and use supplement. Uh, you certainly cannot whenever the season opens up. But uh, So we've put some feed kind of on the outer edges of the farm because I don't really want to penetrate the interior anymore now that we're getting a little closer to season. Uh, and we're trying to just kind of see what's there. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot uh, right now. Uh, a couple of young bucks. Uh, but anyway, that's right. long-range scouting has, has been beneficial. We're seeing where they're coming out every evening. So like my son, he, he's fired up. He's like, yeah, we're going to put the ground blind right there, and that's going to be 50 yards. We're going to put one of these does or one of these young bucks coming out. But uh, I don't know, man. You just kind of – every place is unique, and access is unique. So you have to kind of guard all of it, really. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so when when you talk about going into a piece of property and maybe poking your head around a little bit – you you said you found some scat. Is there any in some beds? Is there anything else that you're looking for to confirm whether or not you found a good location? And then, with that being said, when do you back out and say, you know what, I'm not going in here anymore? Yeah, those things are are great to me. Well worn deer trails, especially as the summer, as the grasses get taller. Uh, I mean, that's. That's key. You know deer are using that area pretty well. Water is a big thing. Uh, granted, all the property I hunt, it's been challenging because it all has streams or creeks running through it. So uh, I actually, most of my property scout during turkey season because you can still get around a little bit, but you can kind of see trail crossings and things, things like that. Uh, old rubs, and sometimes you can find old scrapes. And I, I'll kind of hone in on those places. In my experience, deer traditionally use the same general areas, if not the exact same. I, I've had a scrape open up for three years now, the exact same one. Um, so if you can find some of that, it, it's tougher right now because grass is, has gotten tall, especially even in the timber. It's it's tall. Um uh, but if you can find stuff like that, man, that's a great place to start out for sure. Drop right. those cameras in. You can get a, you can get a camera for thirty bucks now. You know they're a little more easily accessible. But drop it in and and just kind of see what's there. It's my best advice. Yeah, yeah. So, how much weight do you give a trail a summer trail camera picture for the upcoming year? I look at them two different ways. I'll just, I'll try to go with a, for instance, last year during August, the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life turned up on my trail camera, two different nights. They were two nights in a row, but I mean, just uh, giant 180, 190. I'm from Mississippi. So anything over 150 is huge, but this thing was, he was showing up huge. Yeah. Of course with the velvet, they look, even more impressive twice as big yeah right so i i had a stand nearby i thought this this is something else i never saw the deer never got another picture of him uh he is just a ghost 
as far as I'm concerned. I think you and I might have even talked about that yeah. at some point in time. He was just a ghost. And I spent some time, <laughs> I won't say how much, but hunting that deer. Because that's a, I mean, that's a TV deer, I call it. Yeah. You know. Uh, I think that was foolish. You know, he just showed up twice. And sure, he might have used that property again some uh, during the year. Who's to say he didn't? I mean, he, he's so big, he could have lived there the whole time and just never, never gotten up. But I don't know that. All right. That's, that's one, for instance. I think that was foolish to put too much weight in a camera. Okay. An instance where I think that it's fruitful. I can also look to last year. I had a huge eight point. He's 150 plus inches. And so for an eight point, that's, that's a really big deer. He was on my trail camera all summer. I laid eyes on him twice because I was trying to kill him. Uh, could never get it done, but I laid eyes on him twice during November. So to me, that tells me he, he's a homebody. He lives pretty close. Another deer that I actually did get a crack at and, uh, and actually zipped an arrow right over his back. Uh, not once, but twice, by the way, but we'll leave that for <laughs> another day. Uh, <laughs> He, he was dumb enough to stand there, and I was dumb enough to shoot at him again. So, right. <laughs> Anywho, I had pictures of him all summer, and uh, my brother and I were looking at him just together and said, you know what, he'd be hard to pass. He probably needs a year, but he'd be hard to pass if he's skating 25 yards broadside. Right. And I'll be darned, he, he rolled up in there 25 yards broadside, and uh, I think the Lord let me pass him because – Yesterday, I go and pull the camera, and he is blown into a giant. He's oh put, he put on 30 to 40 inches. Holy cow. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's, he is, uh, like, no doubter now. He, right. he was he was 140-inch, 45-inch deer last year. He's, he's going to be touching boom this year. Yeah. And so he was a homebody, though. You know, I, I laid eyes on him. I saw uh, – you know, lots of trail camera pictures of him, well documented. So I put more stake to, to get back to the question. I put more stake in those deer or those trail camera pictures this year because I have history of, of seeing these deer and knowing that they stick around on the farm. I put more stake in those than I did from this ghost deer. Yeah. Because he, he might show up. He also might not. And so I think it's a case by case, especially if you have history with a farm or with a place, you can gauge that a little more. Um, now, granted, you're not going to know every single deer. These two were just very, very distinguishable. And uh, I spent a lot of time looking at their pictures <laughs> last year and in yeah. my dreams, right? So uh, they, I, there's two different ways to look at that, I think. And uh, those are probably pretty good examples of the two ways to look at it. Right. So that's one thing that I really like about trail cameras because I, obs I I'm the kind of guy who I put together a hit list every year, right? I I want oh, yeah. I want to shoot a mature buck and whether I can identify that deer by an antler, you know, characteristics mm -hmm. of his antlers or maybe he's got a torn ear or something like that. That's a perfect example of this past year. I had a I had a buck sneak up behind me. I gave it like, I'm not, I'm not joking, maybe a millisecond look like 
<laughs> I knew exactly who that buck was. I knew he was a shooter, so I didn't really need to look at him again uh, until I was drawn back and putting the needle on him. You know what I mean? So, so getting getting an idea uh, when you're putting together a hit list or trying to identify a mature deer, like look, antler characteristics are awesome. But as for me, I have a hard time putting a lot of weight into what a deer is doing during the summer months on on the farms that I hunt and I know it's different for every every farm but I get a lot of deer on the farm that I hunt during the summertime but then mm-hmm. about mid-September there's this gigantic shift that happens the velvet comes off they start yeah. they start to jockey for position they go to new core areas or go back to their their what I call hunting season core areas or their fall core areas some stick around some don't but what really so so it's hard for me to say okay that's or get excited that if I get a giant buck or a big mature buck on trail camera he may not be around during the hunting season right so right. I would say that up to 60 to 70 percent of the bucks that I have on trail camera during the summer months shift there's there's a big shift in September where they kind of disappear and if there's any that still stick around there's another shift that happens when the crops come out so right. it's hard for me and this is just from experience to get really fired up about a uh, a trail camera picture knowing that you know he, this buck may uh, may disappear now if i have trail camera pictures from him during the season throughout the year or the previous mm-hmm. year that's when i get fired up because now i know yeah. I've identified him and now I know that, Hey, check this out. He's going to be back. He's going to be back at some point. Now I just got to, you know, put the dots, you know, connect the dots and try to intercept his, his movement. Right. My, I have a friend, we, we spent some time together this weekend. He has that exact thing happen every year. He, he hunts what we call a, uh, the timber that he has. So we're in Southwest Iowa where there's not just huge blocks of timber. There is some, but not a lot. But lots of the timber follows like creek drainages or things like that. It's just mostly agriculture. And he hunts what we would call a a runway. Uh, He's got decent timber. It's all along the creek, but that's kind of it. You don't really look to it as like bedding or anything else. Right now, he's getting lots of of pictures because deer are living in corn and they're living in beans. However, he feels like whenever all that comes out, same as you dan the deer they move off yeah and to me you're just looking for for the thick nasty stuff at that point what what is nearby that where they could actually be like living and then during the rut they're just going to branch off so (laughs) during the rut at that point you're i think you're just looking for mature deer if you don't have one you know living on the place right you're kind of taking you know whatever mature deer for for me somebody might some folks might not care if it's mature or not. That's perfectly okay. I want to be sure I say that. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a snob. Yeah. Uh, for, for me, I'm trying to kill a mature four and a half year old plus, uh, buck if possible. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough when you do live on one of those runway farms that we call it, that they run through during the rut chasing, chasing those you may or may not see them. So it, it, it makes it a little more difficult for sure. The good news though, is that you know something totally unexpected could show up 
we do live in Iowa. That's right. And uh, the, the next world record could come trickling down through there. I think in any part of the state. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe with some exception, but not much. So that's there still should always be that hinge of excitement. You know, the the right hot doe gets in there, you could have every deer in, within three miles. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. There's different ways to look at it. That's a fact, man. Um, now, a lot of this article you wrote was about getting out the glass and doing some long, long yeah. distance glassing. Why don't you walk us through what, you know, what that's all about and why you think that's important? There are, yeah, there are folks that are much more adequate than, than I, it all depends on your, on, on your ground that you can hunt. Public ground certainly offers a lot of opportunities as well. Finding a vantage point where you can see a long way, clearly you are looking for beans right now. Uh, I would think this would be obvious, but there's no point in glass and corn currently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's 10 feet tall. So we're looking at where like timber meets beans or where corn meets beans, where deer possibly could be laying up during the day, but they're coming out in the evening to, to feed. Uh, you you might not see every single deer, but good chances are if you can find a field where a couple of deer are hitting it, then I would stick with it. Uh, the problem is with that is say you have a great field of beans on your property. Well, man, no deer coming out in it every evening. You know, they're not using that field to eat. That's where it becomes difficult. Uh, so it's, it's kind of a, if you got them, you got them. If you don't, you don't kind of a scenario. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, television shows make it look real cool where they, they're, they're looking through, uh, their, their vortex spotting scope at, and, you know, there's 15, 20 deer out in the field and four of them are rack bucks. That looks really great. But if you don't have, if the deer aren't using your farm, then that's difficult to do. Just to answer your question though, I do happen to have two places where we have a vantage point and so we will uh and i say we it's usually my family and i we'll try to get just kind of as, as high as we can and and literally just that just kind of plop down and be sure that nothing can see us nothing can smell us dan that is i cannot uh emphasize that enough and unless you are like lee and tiffany lakoski who can go into their farm every day and like lay sin every day. No, I'm serious. They, they, they are kind of the polar opposite. Their scent control is a little different than everyone. Well, they condition yeah, they their condition deer, deer to human. Yeah. Interaction. Right. I don't, I don't own my farms. I, I'm, uh, I am borrowing them from some generous farmers. Yep. And so I can't do that. I can't run all over them. So we have to, we have to be high, hyper aware of scent yeah. because I don't want them to know what that is. So still play that. Uh, I can only glass one farm with a north wind, and we don't get many of those during the summer. Yep. So uh, pick, picking those times, if you do have a little cooler evening, those are better times to kind of hit those high points and, and to look out. Maybe the deer come out a little bit earlier. So, boy, there's just lots of different little intricacies, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you don't have a farm that has deer coming out on it, like, like right now, um, where, where this giant that I that I'm excited about hunting, where he's at, uh, where it was beans last year, and I could watch him every evening. It's corn this year, and and I 
I don't know where he's at. I don't yeah. know where he's living. Clearly, he's still close, but maybe he's at a bean field just off to the neighbors and using that. Um, so, like yesterday evening, I kind of creeped around just the just the public roads and uh, tried to just get an eye on him. I certainly didn't want to stop my pickup in the middle of the road and spook him. Uh, I didn't see him, but if had I seen him, I would have just done enough just to glass him, just to see that he was there. Yep. Um, and, and that would have been it. You just, there's no sense in blowing a deer or spooking him in August just to, just to put binoculars on him. I'd much rather be holding him in October than looking at him in August. It's right. kind of my take on that. Right. Right. So, you know, obviously we, we get into trying to glass him up, you know, now, when you let's say you see him, just like a trail camera picture, let's say you see him in a bean field or you don't see him, right? Obviously, we know that Iowa is a very big agriculture state, and there's food yeah. this time of year all over the place for them, right? So, you know, I think we can agree that we're not going to be too worried if he doesn't show up in a specific bean field this time, you know, this time of year. Now, when you do glass them, up and let's say tonight you go out and there's a bean field that's on the property that you hunt how much weight are you giving that interaction or that piece of data come the fall about the same amount as i do my trail cameras yeah <laughs> uh that that might not be the answer you were looking for but i i don't know man i i know that he's in the area and i know that that, that likely he's a homer if I see the same deer, like this, like the eight point, the giant eight point. I, I nicknamed him Plop because he was a walker, right? Right. And so I saw him, gosh, I bet I saw him 15 different evenings last year. And then I saw him during the, during the season. Uh, if I'm seeing him 15, 16, 17 times, I know he's probably living pretty close by. Right. If I see him once, Every now and you know, if I'd have just seen him once or uh, and, and never seen him again, it would be harder for me to get really excited about him living really close by. Granted, I this is all opinion. There there is nothing scientific behind what I'm saying, other than just observation from from what I've had over the years. Right. So uh, there are to me, Dan. There are deer, and then there are killable deer. That's a fact. And and I. I have to try to pump my brakes on some of, you know, some of the ghosts and I have to look more for a killable deer. Uh, for me personally, right. uh, I've wasted a bunch of time, <laughs> a bunch of time on a, on a deer that wasn't killable because he's nocturnal or because he's, or because he's not there. Yeah. So, yeah, man, I've done the same thing. Uh, you put a lot of time and that's where even to take it a step further, Man, if I get a big buck, even during the season, a nocturnal pick, let's say it's like midnight, one in the morning, yep. it's hard for me to get excited about that picture. Okay, I know he's alive, I know he's in the area, and it might it might alter to where I go and hunt, but I have to remember, I can't hunt during the daylight, or I can only hunt during the daylight. So it's like getting a, a trail camera picture of a big buck that's in the middle of the night, it's still very low on the uh, information scale, if that makes sense. Yeah, 
to me, if there's a deer showing up at, at midnight one night, I might not put so much stock in him, but if he's, if he's showing up three, four times a week at midnight or, or even a couple of times a week, then at least I know that he is some point in the area. And I can maybe look at the direction that he's that he's walking from or, or heading to and maybe think try to put a plan together. I can get my aerial map out and I can say, Oh, well he's he's he might be coming from this area, heading to this area. And so based on that I can figure out I might can kill him in the evening because he's he's leaving this bedding area and then walking through this timber to get to this feed or or I might can kill him early in the morning as he's walking back to bed, you know, because I know he's at least in the area. Right. Uh, but if it's just, if he's just showing up once, once or twice, man, that's enough to get you excited. But, but dang, man, it's hard to, it's hard to put a bunch of stock in that over a deer that might be 10 inches smaller, but he's showing up every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always have that, that internal conversation because both me and you have some deer on camera this year that are going to be pretty big and we're going to put a lot of time into hunting them. And from past years experience, the deer does not show up on the farm that I hunt a lot, right? He, he yeah. comes in at random times, almost like he, uh, we are, we're in his core area, but on the way outside of it. Right. So, right. so, if I get another deer that is maybe not as big or not as mature or not as, I guess, coveted as what this buck is, do, what do I do? Do I, do I just put all my eggs in one basket and go for the big boy and, you know, be willing to eat my tag? Or do I, you know, all of a sudden say, ah, okay, I got to be realistic here. This buck's, <laughs> this buck's killable. And, uh, I think I'm going to go try for that, buck. you know what I mean? I think that comes down to experience and preference. Yeah. I, for me, boy, I'm probably shooting. Yeah. <laughs> if he makes my, I, and even in that article, I used a line that my, uh, that my dad has said forever, which my dad is a notorious, uh, young buck killer. So I have to be careful with what he, what advice he gives me, but <laughs> He says, man, if it makes your heart go pitter-patter, oh, yeah. he said, pull the trigger. That's you know, right. if it fires you up, uh, shoot that deer and don't make an excuse for it, man. Be excited because when, when it boils down to it, I started deer hunting when I was six. And I killed a spike buck back in Mississippi. And, and I took pictures and I showed everybody and was yeah. so excited. When it boils down to it, just enjoy deer hunting, man. This is something that is unique. We live in a in a killer state for it, and uh, I don't know. I think it. So that that's kind of like my take. Right. Some some have killed enough deer that they say, you know what, I'm happy letting a uh, uh, 150 inch four year old go. Yeah. Uh, because because you know there's a potential to kill a 180 inch six year old, and so I, I would love the 180 six-year-old but at the same time i'm going to be thrilled that i got a buck this year so i think it's just where are you in your deer hunting walk where are you in your journey yep. and uh see what makes you happy well, if fact. it's legal and it makes you happy then go for it that's a fact that's a fact now in this article you mentioned a specific date october 11th what does what's yeah. uh, what's the significance with october 11th 
that might even so for me last year I shot this deer. His name is I called him Professor because I gave him an education that day. <laughs> All right, so he uh, it's, it's the deer that blew into this giant. Uh, he and I think every other deer on the property came out on October the 11th, uh, just like they had been coming out on September the 20th. For some reason. Uh, oh, I know exactly why it was. We'd had a little rain shower, and the temperature dropped like 15, 20 degrees that evening. So it got them on their feet. I, after that, after that encounter, it warmed up, and I didn't see any more groups of deer. The, the bucks were still they were they were not super feisty, but they were they were still kind of together. But you could tell they were starting to bust apart. I just I had a chance to observe those deer. Uh, after that date, I didn't see any more groups of deer in fields last year. Two years before that, the date was like October 7th, was the last date I started seeing any groups in fields. So I think that the October 11th might have even been uh, kind of a unique circumstance because of the weather. But really that first week of October, if you're going to kill a summer pattern deer, it's just about going to have to be then, and that might even still be a stretch. Uh so that Dan, that's just a personal, right? Personal thing. Uh, I shift gears with how I'm hunting after those first ten days or so. Uh, granted, if you get that twenty degree drop in weather during the middle of October, I think your tail needs to be sitting in a deer stand somewhere. Yeah. Uh, the October lull is a myth to me at that point. If you can get that great, maybe drop in weather, high pressure, bluebird afternoon. I think that's a great time to be in a deer stand, honestly. But past three years, I've shot two deer before October 11th, and they were doing the exact same thing. They were still in big groups with other bucks yeah. uh, at that point. Yeah, gotcha. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to add about, you know, how summer summer patterning may affect the fall hunt or ways to maybe locate uh, a deer during the summer to hunt during the fall? I'll we'll mention uh, one thing, and then I have a question for you, but I'll say that. One one thing is uh, is water source, too. If you have a water source, uh, just kind of referring back to trail cameras and, and even observation, if you can see it from a distance, uh, those are good good places to kind of key in on because if you're thirsty, they're thirsty, I think is a, is a good way to, uh, to, to kind of look at that. In the way of hanging stands, and uh, trimming shooting lanes or things like that. If you have, if you have a good idea, uh, you, you're a little more running done, right? I'm a little more uh, stay in place. I think is kind of yeah. a way to, uh, to to reference that. Uh, I, I film with a camera, and a, a lot of times I'll have somebody with me just because we like to document it. So, man, to set two to set one set is difficult enough to throw two stands up in a tree into make it cover and all that you know that's even more difficult so i would rather go ahead and do that now than i had october right even though i don't really want to get the timber right now probably better to go ahead and do it now than, than wait right so uh that that would be one thing water like i said kind of finding that for these early season hunts that's something to keep in mind but you you kind of made a comment and uh you said you know what's something that you can be aware of now that might impact you come the fall you tell me this. You said you like to even name deer or make a hit list. I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm the same way. I 
so in, when I hunted Mississippi for years and years, every deer where I, on my farm was an eight point. So it's hard to distinguish what's what. Here, right. the deer has so much personal characteristic; they're pretty easily identifiable. Usually, right? Usually, uh, I have these deer names. They're like my babies at this point. I want to see them. I want to document them. I I, I want to kill them and and give them honor. But at the same time. Three different occasions in the past few years, the deer that I have on my hit list that I've been, you know, filming and dreaming about has shown up while I'm hunting. Yes. In two years, two of those years, I've had a crack at them. And I will say this, if you do that, figure out some kind of way. I don't know if you can go on YouTube and get like some, some soothsaying uh, words to calm yourself down, but it's like, oh my gosh, it's happening. It's yeah. happening, and I start. I freak out. Yeah, I have a pretty high-strung personality, but when I see, you know, when I saw a Professor coming down the edge of these beams, I was thinking, I wasn't thinking. All right, get ready. He's coming. You know, breathe. I was thinking, oh my gosh, that's Professor. I know him. They're, my family knows this deer. We're gonna kill this deer. Right. And then I missed him because I'm so high-strung. So, uh, guard that some would be would be some advice from a high-strung individual. Oh man. There's no, I, I think actually, I'll be honest with you. I think knowing the deer, putting all the time and energy into identifying them and maybe, maybe even having an encounter where you pass them. Uh, I had an example of this a handful of years ago and I, I, I had this, I had laser beam focus on one deer and I finally got the opportunity at him and I had so much buck fever. I hit him too high and he never he never died. Uh, he ended up getting shot by the neighbor the following year. Two uh, hundred inch buck. I shot him. He's probably oh. yeah. He's probably two two ten. And it's it's almost like if I didn't have any. So I have a couple of deer on the wall where I don't have any uh, history with them, and I sh- I was able to shoot those fairly easy, right? Like that. Eh. Twelve ring them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I, I'm not going to say twelve ring them. I still got <laughs> I still got fired up. I still uh, put, uh, but nothing like if I know I've been watching a buck for four years and four or five years and I finally get a crack at him and he's, you know, maybe a Boone and Crockett or whatever. And then you just kind of like, you just lose control. Right. I I think, I think it probably hurt. It probably all the trail cameras and stuff probably hurts you in that aspect. A a little bit. Now, granted, one of the deer that I had history with and, uh, and I, man, I hate to keep talking about this, but I've, I've missed two really, really big deer uh, in three years. But one of them, you know, I've been following, and he was 185-plus-inch deer. Yeah. And th- so that's got something to do with it. I watched that dude posture in from 300 yards. I was just worked up in general on top of the fact that I knew him. So, yeah, the trail cameras can, can hurt you in that because you it's almost like you develop a relationship with them, or you do with them. They don't with you necessarily. But uh, you, you want to do good by it. You want to put a put a period on the story. Uh, there is no more sickening feeling, though, than to, uh, as I'm sure you can attest, to wound one or to just uh, to flat out miss and think, oh, man, what have I done? <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. Well, man, uh, I really appreciate you taking time and chatting with us today. And let me be the, one of the first to say good luck this upcoming season. Oh, listen, the same. I can't wait to uh, to follow along. I enjoyed following your story last year, 
and uh, I feel like I was right there with you. So yeah, same same here. I don't know about you guys, but every podcast that I do where I get to discuss uh, whitetail strategy gets me a little bit more fired up for the upcoming season. I know there's a lot of information that you guys could take away from this episode, and uh, especially like glassing, right? I think, you know, I think I understated it in this episode, but any documentation of a deer whether that's through binoculars or whether that's a trail camera picture is a positive piece of information that you can use to you know at least you know where this deer is at right whether it's a nocturnal pick or it's in the summer he's gonna be somewhere within that area you know as far as iowa is concerned now maybe when you get up to a little bit more of the open farm country where there's less cover it might change a little bit but I guess where I'm from and some other areas that are river bottoms and wooded areas where the deers, the deer aren't traveling, you know, five miles uh, to go someplace. Now they do, uh, but I don't think every deer does that. So take everything that I said there with a grain of salt. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this podcast. Huge shout out to uh, Noel for hopping on and chit chatting with us today, man. Really appreciate it. What else do I have to say, you know, uh, except for our partner at Bondurant Custom Furniture. Go check out their website, BondurantCustomFurniture.com. Make sure you guys are subscribing to the podcast, uh, Iowa Sportsman. Uh, all you got to do is subscribe to it on iTunes or wherever you, you know, wherever you download your episodes. And uh, other than that, uh, make sure you're following us on Facebook, Iowa Sportsman, and visiting the Iowa Sportsman website for tons of great hunting and fishing content and uh there's a lot of information there and be sure to subscribe to the magazine as well because there's even more great content on there if you love hunting and fishing make sure you are you know routinely on a routine visiting the website iowasportsman.com and and subscribing to the magazine because there's just a ton of great information other than that hopefully everybody has a good weekend a good rest of their week and uh i guess we'll talk to you when we talk to you